0: Hey everybody! Welcome to episode twenty one of the Stick to Football podcast. I'm your host Matt Miller with my boy Connor Rogers, right shotgun. As always, what's up, Connor? How are we doing, everybody? What's going on? I, I'm excited that we've made it to twenty one. I don't think I realized that we're that far into this thing. We're we're old enough to drink now. The podcast is so that's a that's a plus for us. But <laughs> also my old junior high and high school football number. So uh, it, it, nice little. That's little karma we got going on this week. We have a really cool show. Um, as you guys know, Madden came out on Friday. We're going to have Josh Luman, who's like the head designer for Madden on the show. Um, Josh someone I've had a, a relationship with for years, you know, with my very small role in the game and with helping the game. So we're going to talk to him about Madden. But I think first, dude, we have to talk about everything that's happening in the NFL as it relates to what we do, which is a lot of NFL draft analysis, a lot of player scouting. And I think you start when you talk about injuries to guys like Julian Edelman. Uh, So many people are dropping like flies right now. It kind of started with Ryan Tannehill. Now Edelman's out. Does that change for you anything? We've talked about maybe the Patriots go undefeated this year. Does that change for you without Edelman, or do they have enough talent to just Hop right in and go next man up.
1: I think they have enough talent. I think it does change the game, you know, for our for our guy Matt Camp and all the fantasy football talk because I think this is something where Brandon Cooks goes from I don't want to say a decoy, but he would be taking away so much from going over the top for all the guys underneath. And now I think you'll see Cooks in a more filled out role where he will be used underneath like Edelman consistently is. He will be used deep, which is the reason they acquired him. So I think you're going to see the volume for Cooks go up. I think you're going to see Deion Lewis involved in the passing game again. Obviously, Gronk is back. So, you know, they have a lot of receiving talent on the team. So I- I'm not overly concerned. It's just kind of a shame, obviously, for Edelman. And it's a shame around the league that, the, you know, on the Sims left go pod, they, they call it the ACL epidemic, and it's really starting to take over.
0: Yeah, it's it unfortunately is a huge part of the game and it it seems to be more it impacts us so much more as fans when it happens in the preseason because you're like oh shit you know and and I know a lot of people are upset because either they're a Patriots fan or because they drafted Julian Edelman or Tom Brady in their fantasy league and now this impacts that like you said our buddy Matt Campbell has probably got to reshuffle some rankings you mentioned it though when I look at the team how do you fill that gap I think Rob Gronkowski uh, he has to lead the team of catches because so much of what Edelman does underneath But as you said, to open up Brandon Cooks and Chris Hogan deep, Malcolm Mitchell's a great receiver. He's a possession guy. And when I look at their running back depth chart, they have the most unique running back depth chart in the NFL because none of their running backs are good running backs. They're all good receivers. Deion Lewis is a good receiver. James White, we saw in the Super Bowl, great receiver. Rex Burkhead, good receiver out of the backfield. So, you know, DJ Foster, uh, who they got out of Arizona State, played some receiver in college. So they, they have a lot of guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield. And... No, Edelman was a 7th round pick way back in 2009. So, Bill Belichick has shown that he can find these guys. Maybe maybe Austin Carr is the next man up, an undrafted free agent out of Northwestern who could fill that role. So, the Patriots, obviously the Edelman injury is huge news. Other huge news, Matthew Stafford last night, I it's like 9:30 and I'm like, "You know what? I'm just going to it's going to be an easy early night for me. I'm going to go to bed." And that news breaks. And even though, you know, like I, what I do is I'm not out there breaking the news. I feel like I'm the guy who comes in in that second wave of is this a good contract? What does this mean for the rest of the NFL? What is, you know, so it's more of that secondary analysis. I was up until two last night and then they started construction on this new no apartment complex right behind my house at six this morning. Never fails. So I'm rolling on four hours of sleep. Thanks, Matt Stafford. Thanks, Detroit Lions. <laughs> But five years, $135 million. That's $27 million per, $2 million more a year than Derek Carr on average. And and here's what, I don't think I I said this on Twitter, but it's something that I, I feel very strongly about is that when they come out and say Matt Stafford just got the, the biggest quarterback contract in history. Well, of course he did. He's the most recent quarterback to sign a deal. And it's I think if you look at the percentage of the salary cap, That quarterbacks are getting, it's staying pretty flat. And so, but if you're Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins, you're really excited about this. We might see a quarterback get 30 million per when those guys get their deals redone.
1: No doubt about that. And I think my first reaction to this was that Kirk Cousins is going to get paid in the offseason because, Matt, how often do we see a top 12 to 15 guy hit the market anymore it never ever happens and what does that create so much leverage for the player and either supply and demand it's insane ridiculous and we're going to get into the top 10 we're going to do the top 10 mock later in the show which obviously teams like the Niners and maybe even Washington are there are going to factor into that so we'll talk about that more with Stafford it, it what's wild is he got 92 million dollars guaranteed. And we're getting close to the day of where like we're going to see that hu- those 100 million guarantees for co- franchise quarterbacks. And Stafford's 29 years old. That's not old especially for a quarterback. Yeah. But this isn't like a tw- this isn't like an Andrew Luck kind of like it's just so crazy, but it is what it, like I try to explain to people. They're like, "That's ridiculous. He's not worth that." Number one, Stafford's coming off a year where he was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. Okay, so he he peaked at the right time, and also this is the market. It's as simple as that. That's why these teams, and we're gonna see so much of it soon with a lot of teams picking early in next year's draft, try to capitalize while they have their quarterback on the rookie wage scale. That's when you look at the Seahawks, their Super Bowl, you know, Russell Wilson. They were able to fill out that team so much because Russ was still on the rookie wage scale.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. It it goes into a huge team-building philosophy debate. And as you mentioned there, I'm awful at teasing at the (laughs) beginning of the show. Hey, at the end, we're going to do a top 10 mock draft very soon. So hang with us as we throw numbers at you on a podcast, which I know is just great listening as you're driving down the interstate. Do not drive into a sign. Uh, We will get past this. Uh, Let's talk about other news. The Kansas City Chiefs traded for Reggie Ragland. Not a huge deal in terms of league-wide implications, but I like this move for Kansas City. You trade a 2019 fourth-round pick for a player who was drafted in the second round last year. I think he was picked 41 overall by the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that's an
1: early second-rounder. That's a
0: valuable pick. And he didn't play because of the ACL, so it's not like he got on the field and sucked. He was hurt, but he's not a fit and the new defense that Sean McDermott brought in. He comes from Carolina, where you want small, fast linebackers. Reggie Ragland is an old-school 3-4-thumper type. And the reason I wanted to talk about this, not because of what it means for the Chiefs or what it means for the Bills, I wanted to talk about how stupid it is that NFL coaches ignore their personnel for their scheme. And I've, I've talked to guys who will be general managers in the NFL in a a very few years have said that coaches don't actually coach anymore. They teach a scheme and you see this in Buffalo and you we've seen it in Cleveland. We've seen it uh, even back when Bill Parcells took over in Dallas, they scrap all the personnel that doesn't fit their scheme. They sign free agents. They completely draft to fit a scheme And then in three or four years, if it doesn't work, they're gone and you have to start all over. So that's what we're seeing happen in Buffalo. They're shipping out everyone who doesn't fit that scheme and they're going to bring in new people and hope it works because, and if not, you're going to have a shitty roster in three to four years that you have to completely rebuild again for a new coach. So listen, I will never be an NFL general manager, but if I were, I would go completely against the grain here. I would look at my roster and say, okay, these are our strengths. Let's find a coach who can coach to these strengths and I know I I know I'm a Niners homer or whatever, but that's what Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have done because they came in and said, okay, we're gonna make this work. We're gonna we're gonna coach up the players we
1: have and not completely tear down this foundation to start over. Yeah, because you're always gonna lose out on the value scale. And, oh, yeah. and what bothers me with the Bills is, I understand the Bills plan. It's very very obvious. They're going into next year's draft with an extra first, an extra second, extra third, and now an extra fourth. So they are loaded with ammunition. At the end of the day, that sounds lovely. That sounds great. They gave up Ronald Darby and Reggie Raglan, two guys that I think could be really valuable pieces, young, extremely young def- defensive pieces. And you're saying, well, listen, they, first off, they killed the leverage they had in the Raglan deal. I can't believe they got a fourth. Right. Because they buried him so much this training camp that it seemed like they were just going to cut him. Now, I think a fourth is still really good value, especially in Kansas City where he will be fine. It's just one of those things where, okay, you're you're cleaning out all these players that you didn't pick, young players. Sammy Watkins is still 24 years old, okay? I understand the injuries, but they're cleaning out all these players almost to say, these aren't our guys. But at some point, you lose on the value scale. And my other argument to it is, are teams that are picking in the top three next year going to want to move back no matter what you offer them? Like They might just sit put and say, we don't care, we need a quarterback, this is the draft to get them, we're not making a deal with Buffalo. And then Buffalo's sitting there with all these extra picks that were acquired to get a quarterback, and yes, they could still load up on a lot of talent, but it just turns this rebuild into such a slow process. So I'm very curious to see where this goes. I think Reggie Ragland is a hell of a football player. And I can't justify taking him 41st overall, and I know they weren't the ones that did it, but as an organization, and then dumping him off after really not seeing the real Reggie Raglan for a fourth-round pick.
0: Dude, I think he starts in Kansas City. Maybe not week one, but I think he will be a starter during the 2017 season in Kansas City. Um, yeah, perfect segue here. Another team that did blow it up completely and start fresh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser named his starting quarterback. The first of the rookie quarterbacks from that 2017 class to be named a starter. I actually like this move. Uh, I, I said it last week on the show. I've been saying it for as soon as the preseason started, basically. He, he might not be the most conservative passer on that team, and he might throw a lot of picks as he's learning, but he is the most talented quarterback on the team. Just get him on the field. Let's see what the kid can do. Hugh Jackson, the head coach, is a noted quarterback guru, so let's see what this kid can do. Let's let's he has weapons. He has Corey Coleman. He has Kenny Britt. They have some talent there. Let's go out and see what Deshaun Kaiser can do, especially when there are zero expectations. So I do like you know, the the feel there, what they're doing with going with Deshaun Kaiser, getting super young on this team. Um, what do you think about Kaiser, and what do you think about your team, the New York Jets? On the other side, they have a second round quarterback they picked in 2016, Christian Hackenberg. Who, man, he started out pretty hot in the preseason, but just fizzled out the more exposure he got to legitimate defenses.
1: Yeah, the Hackenberg situation is a disaster, and we are going to get into that. But with Kaiser, I like naming him the starter, Matt. I completely agree with you. I think there's a couple different reasons here. One, it's kind of a situation where, as much as he's a 21 year old kid, and you would have liked to sit him for a while, you gotta find out what you have. With him because this Browns team might have a chance to pick a quarterback at the top of next year's draft. Not first overall. I don't think second, but they're I've been saying, I think they're going to be sitting in that top 10 and they'll have a chance to get their guy. Now, Kaiser can prove that you don't need to do that, and you could find out that you don't. He's going to turn the ball over a lot this year because he's raw. He's prone to mistakes. He's still working on that processing speed, but he has a big arm and a knack for the big play, and you want to elevate the guys that you've brought in. That's Corey Coleman. They use a first-round pick on Corey Coleman. You want that investment to pay off. You sign Kenny Britt. You want I know it's not a gigantic contract by any means, but... You want the offense to move the ball. You want to give Hugh Jackson a chance, something that throughout his head coaching career, he hasn't really fairly gotten. So, And look at the competition next to him. What are you going to get from Cody Kessler? What are you going to get from Brock Osweiler? I like that they were like, you know what? Let's see what Kaiser has. He's shown that he deserves at least the chance. So I think this is a smart move. On the flip side, a team second-round quarterback that has not panned out, he's not in his rookie season, he's in his second season, is Hackenberg with the Jets. And... Now we're seeing so many different things come out today. I just saw a headline, you know, that said, Oh, McHagnon got scared when the Texans traded up. And he was it just sounds like he was nervous in general that somebody was going to take Hackenberg before they had the chance to. And that's why they reached so much for him. I believe 51st overall in that class, which is way too high. No matter what you thought he can be. And even really smart guys like Scott McLuhan has gone on Twitter publicly and said he really liked Hackenberg. You know Bill O'Brien really liked Hackenberg. You know, one thing that I heard from draft weekend was that the earliest Hackenberg was going to either of those teams, whether it was McLuhan or whether it was to Bill O'Brien's Texans, would be the third round. So it does seem like McCagnan panicked a little bit here, and it turns into a reach, which now looks like a disaster. He was always a two-year project, but you can't justify taking a two-year project— for a quarterback-needy team in the second round. It's hard to do. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. And
0: and I don't know that a second-round pick gets anyone fired necessarily, but it does look bad, especially when you're a franchise that has had such a big need at quarterback for so long, and you've missed on guys like Mark Sanchez. You know, there have been just colossal failures at that position. It's not quite Cleveland-level, but it's pretty damn bad. So I think that hurts it too, but... You know, my my thing about evaluators and general managers is when you make a mistake, it's all about what what you do with it. Do you keep trying to force that square peg into a round hole, or do you say, hey, listen, we messed up. We're going to find a new quarterback. I, I have a feeling that's what the Jets will do. That's just my instinct of things. I think I think they probably know at this point who Christian Hackenberg is, and they can't come out and say to the media, hey, it's not any good. We messed up. You, you can't do that yet, but he will – I'm sure be in the mix again next summer. Uh, I would expect that he's probably in the mix with Bryce Petty and a quarterback they draft uh, because they they have to get some young talent in there that's not a project. Bryce Petty was a project in the fourth round. Hackenberg was a project. It's time to get one of these big quarterbacks and maybe, hey, we're going to do a mock draft in the show today, a top we'll ten. We'll see what they get. The Jets are definitely picking in the top ten. It'll be interesting to see if we both have them taking a quarterback or not, but uh, before we take our, our first break here shortly, before we get Josh Luman from Madden on, I see something on the rundown, and I have no idea what it is. So you're going to have to explain this to me.
1: <laughs> so uh, I was out to dinner last night. We were lucky to be joined by two, uh, two really great producers from CNN. Obviously, Bleacher Report and CNN are under the Turner Company. And uh, I ordered a Bronx Pale Ale, and they brought it out in a can. And I was sitting there, and somebody joked with me, you know, take your keys out and just shotgun it in the restaurant. Oh my God. And I didn't because I just met the (laughs) CNN employees and like, I just couldn't, I really, really wanted to, (laughs) but I thought of something to start, you know, all these, all these online challenges where they're like the drive by dunk challenge, people are dunking on random basketball hoops and running back into their car. Yeah. I want to start the stick to football restaurant shotgun challenge where we tweet out, the best videos of people shotgunning beers in restaurants.
0: I love it. I'm afraid that all my friends listen to this podcast and now they're gonna start doing this shit when we go to restaurants.
1: <laughs> I know it people, I I the stickies, a loyal fan base. I know we're gonna get some good ones. And don't worry, you're gonna get one from me at some point. I just don't feel I should have done it at a work event. I would never do that. <laughs> so, but I I want to start the stick to football restaurant shotgun challenge and i hope it takes off and like i said we will post the best videos for you guys yeah i your videos
0: get a retweet here until turner shuts us down with this at least so <laughs> <laughs> have fun with it while you can uh we'll go rogue on it That's for sure right. uh i like that um yeah it is going to be it's going to be interesting to see those videos maybe um i i've i've heard a rumor that um, we're gonna have some stick to football t-shirts
1: soon hopefully so so we'll
0: start I heard the same we'll start rumor. throwing some t-shirts out to people somebody
1: asked for stick somebody asked for stickers too which i think is a great we idea. can do that considering all we things, can do that stick to football and we finally had some college football Matt and we have to continue our segment that is the college player you need to know so as more college games you know continue to pop up on th- this coming weekend we're gonna have a full slate it's not going to be week zero anymore it'll be a legitimate week one who do you want everybody to know that you feel like no one's really talking about right now?
0: Well, I wrote about the guy and he hasn't played yet, but it's Nick Fitzgerald, the quarterback at Mississippi State. Had a really solid year last year. I think he takes the next step this year in Dan Mullen's offense. Uh went 21 and, and 10 last year, touchdown interception ratio. He's a dual threat quarterback and he's a guy who will get out there on some design runs. He's 6'5, 230. He'll be a junior this year um was just a three-star recruit coming out of high school so a guy who kind of you know was under the radar but has played very very well so far and you know you guys know I like Josh Allen we're going to see him this weekend in Iowa uh I think Nick Fitzgerald is kind of a poor man's Josh Allen maybe not as athletic definitely not as strong of an arm but in a similar mold of kind of a, a playmaker and a gunslinger and also a guy who needs to improve his accuracy but as you watch SEC football, as you watch Mississippi State this year, uh, Nick Fitzgerald, number seven, the quarterback, is someone who I have my eye on, and a lot of NFL teams do too, because we've talked about before, supply and demand with quarterbacks. We have three quarterbacks graded in the first round right now. There's going to be a lot more teams wanting one, so you have to keep an eye on guys like Fitzgerald, Luke Falk, Washington State, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, Lamar Jackson at the Louisville. There are a lot of quarterbacks that we really have to keep an eye on this year.
1: Hey, if uh, if he pans out, we might be calling Mississippi State quarterback you soon with no Jack Prescott's back no in the Joe. NFL so far. So it'll be pretty fun. You know, one guy, and I got to give uh, our co worker, Steven Nelson, who's been on the show, Mr. Pac 12 himself, some love for this guy. Ryan Nall on Oregon State. That's his guy. Just continues to go under the radar at the running back position, and it's kind of a shame. Oregon State, obviously, they opened up against Colorado State this last weekend. They lost 58-27, not a great look, obviously. But when they give this guy the ball, things happen. He had 15 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown, three catches for 30 yards. So, you know, already averaging nearly eight yards per carry. Coming off a season where he averaged 6.5 yards a carry, he's gigantic at 6'2", 235 pounds. He was moved to running back late there. And I think he's one of those running backs where, listen, not going to be a first-round guy. Don't think he'll be even maybe day two, but you're looking at day three value guys, these big running backs that are surprisingly light on their feet. I really like what I've seen from Ryan Null early on, and he's a guy that you got to watch in the Pac-12 this year.
0: Yeah, and you talked about his size, 6'2", 237, and he broke free for a 75-yard touchdown run against Colorado State. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, and, and hat tip to Nelson. He's been shouting that guy out for probably him. a year at this point. Uh, let's take a quick break, Connor. Uh, charge the batteries on That's the old right. recorder. And we'll come back with, with Josh Luman, uh, one of the lead designers for the new Madden 18. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 21 of Stick to Football. And we have a really cool guest today. We thought... How timely is this? Madden 18 comes out on Friday. You guys are hearing this hopefully midweek. And we got Josh Lohman from EA Sports, one of the lead guys. Josh, I don't even exactly know your title. I just know when I when I have a Madden question or when I, you know, when I'm getting excited about the game, you're the guy I call. So tell everyone, if you can, what all you do at Madden. And I know your role there has changed a lot over the years, but you're like the guy when it comes to Madden this
2: year. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we definitely work with a huge, really talented team. Um, my, I think my title is technically senior designer, but this year uh, I worked on a, kind of a brand new movie story mode thing that we did in Madden called Longshot, and I was lucky enough to be the lead designer on that. So um, that that was, you know, a, a ton of fun for me. It's something I'm incredibly proud of, and. Um over the years, I've kind of worn a lot of different hats between designer and producer and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great to kind of work on that over the years, and this year is really special for me.
1: Yeah, that was one thing I really wanted to ask you about because the hype around Longshot has obviously been really big. How did that idea come about, and how long in the making was it? Was it a multi-year project, or was it something that... Came about, you know, right after, obviously, the 17 release, and you're like, okay, this is going to be our biggest feature for next year.
2: No, it's actually been years, and basically, we owe everything to Mike Young. He's a guy that I've worked with for years, Matt. I know you've talked to him over the years, worked with him, and um, incredibly creative guy. He's, you know, uh, always been focused since I've started working with him on this concept of like story and narrative and trying to figure out a way even prior to Longshot to trying to get as much of a story into Madden as possible and everything he's always worked on has been focused around that. I would say probably about three to four years ago, um, Mike kind of on his own um, started coming up with this idea and um, started kind of writing a rough outline and then starting to write a script and going to meet with people and uh, meeting with coaches and, uh, you know, a lot of NFL guys and that kind of stuff and just asking questions and trying to kind of shape this story in his mind. And um, along the way, his childhood friend, uh, Adrian Todd Zuniga, um, who's a writer in Hollywood and you know, is has written a couple scripts and that kind of stuff, uh, came on board to start helping him. And I would say about two years ago, he and I started talking about this, Mike Young and I did. And we kind of sat down and I read the script and went, Whoa, this is really good. Like this is not just some sort of, you know, mediocre story that sometimes you find in a video game. Um, this this is something that we would see in a theater. So I sat back and started talking to Mike and uh, was lucky enough to get an offer from him to kind of join the team. Um, And my role was to kind of come in and figure out, okay, now that we've got this great story, it's got all these emotional beats and really has a ton of heart, how do we kind of put this into a video game and let people play it? Um, So it's taken probably about the last two years we've worked on it. We had a pretty small team for the first year, just, you know, kind of trying to figure out technology and how do we build so much of this kind of a cinematic mode and um, really worked hard on in the last year our our team got a lot bigger and had a lot of talented animators and stuff that have worked on tons of other games and the industry and worked in Hollywood and stuff came on and helped us and um, it's been a labor of love but we're really really proud of what we were able to pull off.
0: I had no idea that you guys worked on things for so long I mean it's it's crazy to see it you know, come to the screen because, you know, I I think I got my my copy a little early and I had heard people and I'd actually talked to Mike Young, I think last year at the combine, he was like, Hey, we kind of have this idea and we'd love to run it by you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's hear it. And it was like, it's, it was so different, you know, the idea, but having played it, it's hard. Number one, I think I got my guy like an eight out of 10 and was like, not good enough, you know? So it is, it's definitely challenging and it's, I think one cool thing about Madden is, though, that you guys really you're very interactive with your your fans and with people who play the game. And, you know, I've seen you answering questions on Twitter like rapid fire. I know Mike's super interactive on Twitter. But what are some of the things that that you guys have actually changed within the game this year that might be just related to fan impact? I know like the scouting process has really become more robust in the franchise mode. What other types of things do you think are pretty different this
2: year? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a good example. You know, Madden's so big now that, you know, we have almost like these sub-teams that make up the team as a whole. We've got the franchise team, we've got the gameplay team, and um, we've got the ultimate team group and that kind of stuff. And I think all of those groups do a great job and try as hard as possible to meet with their segment of the community and try to figure out what. Those fans want, like you said, I know that Madden fans for years and franchise mode have been asking for a draft board, being able to kind of move players up and down and, you know, set your own team-specific board on who, what you're looking for, position by position, that kind of thing. Um, and I know that, you know, one of the biggest features we've got this year is called Mutt Squads. Um, it's uh, basically you team up with uh, two of your friends, the three of you go in there and you take on three other people in a 11 on 11 game and you can control wh- whoever you want, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, that kind of thing. And um, people have asked for that for years, being able to play kind of a, a little more of a fun, quick version of Madden, something that you can play with your buddy and kind of work out your chemistry of quarterback and wide receiver and running your, you know, running routes and that kind of stuff. So pretty much everything we do every year is heavily influenced by community requests and um, meeting with the community. We have, you know, representatives of the Madden community come in multiple times a year. Uh, They give feedback early on just on the ideas that we're talking about. They give feedback early with just kind of a early look at what the game looks like late in the process. I know this year at EA play, which is, kind of our version of E3, the big um trade show that uh the video game industry has. I sat down at one point with a room of like probably twenty-five guys that were representatives of the community and showed them um a long look at long shot and kind of went through some of the gameplay and showed them some of the high school games, the seven on seven games, explained what we were trying to do, how we're trying to be different and I think the first reaction we got that really surprised me was a lot of those guys came into that thinking, I'm not going to like this. I don't care about a story. I just want to go out and play against other people online or, you know, do do this or that. And then once I started kind of going through it and they saw sort of the, the level of quality, the cinematics, and the gameplay, they were pretty blown away by it. And all of them were like, man, I can't wait to get my hands on this. So yeah, that's a huge part for us is just, making sure we involve the community as much as possible and getting their feedback.
1: Now, we live in a world where so many people understandably want to work in sports or want to work in gaming or want to work in just the entertainment business in general. In your case, you work in both. You have a great combination of sports and gaming. You've been at EA Sports for quite some time. I know your Twitter bios is 15 years now. What was your path to get there?
2: It's really kind of a, a strange story. Um, I've always been a sports fanatic, even since I was a little kid. Um, I would collect football cards, just like a lot of people. I'm sure you guys did too, baseball cards. And I loved, I don't know why, I loved flipping over the football cards and just memorizing the seasons of stats on the back. And, you know, again, with football cards, it might be the most obscure players in the world, like some, you know, the sixth wide receiver on the Chiefs or something in 1983. But uh, (laughs) I knew all those guys and would try to absorb as many games as possible. I was a huge Houston Oilers fan back in the day, um, growing up in South Texas. So I actually really kind of lucked into this job. Uh, I played video games a lot with my buddies in college and after college and uh, there was one night, uh, my friend Drew and I were sitting at, we both worked at Sears, and uh, it was a slow night, and he had the newspaper out, and we were probably both about 23 or 24, and he saw an ad in the paper that said, do you want to play video games to get paid to do
1: it? What? That was yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> Who doesn't?
2: <laughs> That's a great question. Both of us looked at each other like, of course we would. I mean, I don't even care how much money they're paying. So. It was really lucky. There was a small company here in town that had made uh, some games like Turok and uh, All-Star Baseball and NFL Quarterback Club um, over the years. I loved that game. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I applied and my buddy did too. And um, neither of us had any experience. There was no difference between the two of us. They needed one guy that they were going to hire and they just randomly picked me. uh, I was told afterwards. So. Um, I came in, um, loved the job. I was allowed to work as many hours as I wanted. At the time I was single and like twenty-four and just wanted to make as much money and play as many video games as possible. So I did that for about a year and a half and then I always love to tell this story. Uh there was an opening on the NFL quarterback club game um for a designer. And the test was to go through the game and see if you could, you know, uh, come up with an idea of how to improve something. I started looking through the rosters, first of all, and the designers that were on the game then were really smart guys, um, really creative, but they mostly liked like World of Warcraft type of games, RPGs, that kind of stuff. And they didn't necessarily know the most about sports that, that you could ask for. So as I was looking through, I noticed that for some reason someone had given Dan Marino 99 speed. And I said, <laughs> uh... I think there's some places you guys could improve here, just in the roster. <laughs> so I interviewed for the position, I got hired, worked about a year on that game, and then got lucky enough to get an interview with EA. And that was 15, 16 years ago. So
1: That's awesome. That's such a cool story.
2: Some good breaks along the way, and just being able to notice that Dan Marino probably shouldn't be the fastest player in the NFL.
1: I started laughing, though, when you
0: were telling that story because you were talking about the the like memorizing football cards. And... I have two older brothers, and people have asked them, like, you know, how did, how did Matt get into football? And that's one of the stories they tell us that, like, we would go on road trips, family road trips, and I would, like, have them quiz me on stats and colleges. And, like, yeah. I was just a little football encyclopedia, super nerdy. But, man, it, it I guess it paid off. So Definitely did um, for both of us, yeah. One thing you mentioned there about Dan Reno's rating, it reminded me, I see players come at you guys sometimes jokingly, sometimes not about their ratings, how much impact does that have? Or how much like influence does, you know, a player have on where they're rated or do you guys just kind of ignore that and and go about your business?
2: Well, I think, you know, you almost have to look, we're kind of in a partnership with them anyway, because what we're doing represents them. And uh, I know for years, a good friend of mine, Donnie Moore was the guy who did the ratings and rosters and, um, I remember it getting so crazy one year that he was asked to be on Sports Center. I remember that in yeah. debate with yeah TJ Housmanza and basically like go back and forth on why his speed wasn't higher and mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know the guys that do mm-hmm. the ratings are so careful about all the research they do and that kind of stuff. And they always, you know, take into account what people think, but they want to be as exact as possible in terms of the measurables from the combine or any piece of data that they've heard um, from workouts or that kind of stuff. So they're not typically swayed by opinion at all. It's it's mostly um, based around any kind of statistical data that they can find. Um, and then just watching a lot of film on games from last season, performance, you know, ebbs and flows, and how how consistent was the guy the entire year and that kind of stuff. So um, it's a lot of fun. But, yeah, I mean, those guys, I know Donnie for years. I would would go by his desk and to to ask if you want to go to lunch or something, and he'd be swamped the entire day just talking to those guys on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So every NFL player would just constantly be asking him why his – nobody ever asked, like, Hey man, I think my awareness should be a little bit lower or my agility is a little (laughs) bit too, uh, too high. So yeah, um, it's great though. It's great to work with those guys and, and, uh, it's awesome to see that they care so much about what the ratings are, in Madden. it's always good.
1: Yeah. It's funny you bring up Donnie because one of our former great producers here, Adam Bernstein did a, did a little bleach report feature on Donnie as the ratings are. And it was just, it was wild to see how much different work he had to do and, obviously all the feedback he gets, but one thing we do at every guest here on the show is we run him through the gauntlet. Five questions for every single guest, and our first question is, uh, if you're a beer drinker, what's your favorite beer?
2: Favorite beer? Uh, my honeymoon, I went to Hawaii, and I drank Kona beer there.
0: Oh, yeah. Nice. Love so, Kona. Any,
2: any <laughs> Kona I like, I love Kona.
0: That's a good I wondered if you would say, like, Longstar, or Lone Star, or or Shiner, being that you're a, a Texas guy, so.
2: I I, I, I like Shiner, but I, you know, in college I had some nice for Shiner that <laughs> <The different laughs> scared away from I, me. So I've kind of I've mellowed on Shiner over the years, but it's a great beer.
0: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about like how you know you guys interact with fans and players. Question number two here is what's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent?
2: Oh wow. Um, I had a guy By a player or a fan, does it matter?
0: Doesn't matter. Whatever comes to mind.
2: Uh, I had a fan one time tweet me that if I didn't change something at Ultimate Team by the next day, he was going to go find my parents' social security numbers and their information on the internet.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, dude. People are out of control. I'm not, I knew you would have a good one and it actually exceeded my expectations, but uh, this next one's actually perfect for you. We always ask everyone, what's the one game that none of, you know, none of your friends can beat you at? And one of our examples is always Madden, FIFA, Cornhole, whether it's Ultimate Frisbee. But I want to ask you, what's the one video game that none of your, your friends have ever been able to beat you at?
2: Uh, it's probably... I would probably go with NCAA football. Um, I've okay. played people in Madden that can beat me. Um, but NCAA football, I've played that game religiously all the time. And, uh, I don't think I ever had one of my friends beat me in that game. I have
0: to ask, since you brought it up, is that game ever coming back? I miss it so much. All my friends miss it. It was the best.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously I'd love to see it come back. I have no idea and haven't heard anything, but, um, you know, the funny thing is I've I played a lot of Madden over the years and. Um, NCAA was always the game for me that because I never really worked on it, it was almost the one football game that I loved to just play in my personal time um, when I got home. Because, I mean, when you turn on Madden for seven or eight hours a day uh, and then go home, you still like to play it, but you've seen it so much that it's almost like watching the same movie over and over. So, um, I mean, I'd I'd love to see it come back. It'd be awesome. I mean, this year, whatever we had... In long shot, we got the Longhorns and the Oregon Ducks in, Yeah, and just seeing them in the Madden engine in Frostbite this year, the first time I booted up the game, I went, oh my God, that's so awesome. So that wasn't
0: one of our gauntlet questions, but that was I knew people would be so pissed if I didn't ask that since you were talking about it, so yep, they will flip. We, we've changed the rules on question number four. You cannot say your you know wife, significant other or child on this, okay, so the question <laughs> is on a deserted island, who's your dream person to be stranded with
3: hmm.
2: uh bear grills, I guess <laughs> there you go, yeah, you have somebody <laughs> Like someone. someone? Someone that can make a fire in a shelter and find food and water. Yeah.
0: That's a great answer. That's the smartest answer we've ever had. Everyone's always, always thought like, work lively or the- my wife. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be great, but I don't know how much they're going to help me survive longer than two weeks.
1: That's true. That's a good answer. Our last question, always the most controversial... On a hot dog, are you a ketchup or a mustard guy? Oh, I'm definitely a ketchup guy. God damn, every week. Ah, nice. Love that. <laughs> Everyone says the same thing, and it makes Matt so upset.
2: Most of, the to- most of the time it's both, but if I had to pick one, it would definitely be ketchup.
1: I'm eventually going to find a
0: guest <laughs> who will stay on my side and say mustard. But You keep booking them. <laughs> I think I'm 0 for 8 or 9 at this point. It's It's getting out of control. Man. I know. It's... Yeah, that's not good. It's not. All right, Josh. Thanks for your time, dude. Josh,
1: thanks so much for joining us. Yeah.
0: And no problem, guy. If people haven't checked out the game, like, I don't, I'm not just saying this because you're on the show. Like, I like knocked out a weekend basically just playing the game. And, like, I'm 34 years old with children and a house and responsibilities. And I, I hid in my office and played it. So people should definitely check it out.
2: That's awesome. We really appreciate it. And I, I love following you guys and your stuff and listening to the podcast. So. Um, Yeah, go ahead and play it. Send us feedback. Tell tell us what you think, and we'd love to do another version of Longshot at some point in the future, and we're just kind of waiting to see what the fans think, so um, really appreciate you guys having me on today.
0: Awesome. Thanks, man. everybody. Welcome back. Uh, We will have that mock draft for you. I promise it's going to be segment number four this week. We're making you hang out for the whole damn show if you want to hear the mock draft uh, because we got some bills to pay, but it's time for some draft on draft. Matt here, Connor's here, and Kennedy's back to ask us your awesome questions that you sent in uh, on Twitter and on iTunes. So, hi, Kennedy. Let's hear those questions.
3: Yeah, everybody sent in really great questions this week, so thanks, Stickies. Kent Swanson on Twitter wants you guys to build the perfect Kansas City meal. You have to have two meats, two sides, one beer, and one dessert.
1: Oh, my gosh. Good Lord. I think Matt gets that one alone because, I mean, I've I've
0: been. Um, and Connor's been a little limited so far in his Kansas City eateries. But if I had to pick one, I would pick two meats. Wow, that's so hard. I would say brisket from uh, Kansas City Joe's, um, burnt ends from Q39, a Boulevard wheat, and... I would say the carrot cake from Jack Stack. That's not as hard as I thought it was, actually, because
1: I just ripped <laughs> you it. You knew that right off the top of your head.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, two sides. The cheesy corn and cheesy potato at Jack Stack are out of this world good. I, I would also... That's like 8,000 calories, so I would be dead very soon after eating all that food. But damn, that'd be good. Next time you come to the city, we'll, we'll do it. And you know what? Joe's actually ships... They have a sandwich called the Z-Man, and it's like a toasted bun with... Um, brisket and an onion ring and coleslaw and they can like ship it to you guys to where you could like make it that is yourself you just kind of have to warm it up i need to do that i need to send that to you guys because it's it's worth it i don't know if kennedy's dorm has like a little a mailroom toaster oven or (laughs) something that you could cook in (laughs) hey
3: i've I've upgraded from a dorm to a house okay
0: oh whoa okay well yeah uh connor are you going to take a stab at this at the Maybe
1: you should do a, a Hoboken one instead. Oh,
3: Yeah, you should do that.
1: No, that's actually good. I could do uh, like, a, like a great pizza. So we had to order pizzas this weekend for our fantasy football draft and before the fight. And we had a uh, vodka sauce pie. And one of our friends is a child. So we had to get just a pepperoni pie, which sucks. But then you get a chicken parm pie and garlic knots. And I mean, we had like 800 beers, but I mean, the vodka pie from Napoli's in Hoboken for all my oh yeah uh, been there, New jer- yeah Matt knows yeah oh my god unbelievable that is the spot.
3: <laughs> okay, Shane Merriman on Twitter asked if you could build an all-time any sport Mount Rushmore of coaches, who would you put on there?
1: Ooh, I like that one a lot. Go ahead, that's tough. Um, it is really tough. I, I know one right away would be uh, Herb Brooks, USA hockey coach, obviously famous for the movie Miracle, when uh, you know, which just tells the story of them beating the Soviets in the 1980 Olympics. Herb Brooks definitely goes on there. I mean, that's one of the greatest upsets in sports histories in sports history. Uh, I guess you'd have to say Vince Lombardi. Yeah, I mean, at least that's what I would put on the mount. I hate this. Pains me to do, but Belichick has to be on there. There's no way of not putting Belichick yeah, on there. Yeah, he has. To it's be. Ab- it's impossible. Um, wow, I don't think I have a fourth yet. Off the top of my head, that's really tough. I bet you Matt has one.
0: Mine would be all NFL because that's you know the little world that I live in. So I would go Bill Walsh. I would go Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi. Um, the the fourth one is hard. I would go Paul Brown though, just because as I grew up wanting to be a, a scout and a general manager, and obviously Paul Brown was, you know, 50 years before I was born. But he, a lot of the modern scouting practices he implemented, whether it was, you know, when he was with the Browns or the Bengals, and he was so influential. And the NFL just becoming what it is now. Um, you know, he he left the Browns in the 60s to start the Bengals, but that would be my my Mount Rushmore. We're kind of stealing from the. uh Pardon my take, boys, with the Mount Rushmore, but that, I think they'll let us borrow that idea for a
1: week. Yeah, it was a great question. Yeah.
3: Okay, Jer Schmidt on, I, on iTunes wants to know, when you see other scout rankings, do you go back and reevaluate specifically?
1: That's really interesting. I So when I was in college and I just started writing about the draft, I definitely did. And as I've gotten to this more full-time in my career and stuff, I've gotten away from it. Because I find that it makes you overthink too much. I don't yeah. really ever want... I, I keep a very small circle when it comes to discussing the draft. That includes Matt, um, You know, a select group of people I talk to that work in the NFL, and maybe one to two friends that I actually like to bounce you know ideas off of. But I don't read anything anymore. I definitely don't read other people's rankings.
0: Yeah, that's one thing, and I, I think... You know, you and I kind of have the same process. I respect the hell out of guys. Like, I mean, Daniel Jeremiah is a, a good friend, and I, I have so much respect for him. But I try not to read his work because it influences mine so much. The same for, like, Lance Zerline with, with NFL.com. I, I love Lance, but I try not to read his work. And it, it's, you know, whether it's Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay or or anyone, you know, there, there have been times where I've had conversations with people where they'll say – you know, hey, I'm not seeing what you're seeing with this guy. And you'll have that conversation and try to like flesh it out, you know, and see where are we different. But, you know, it doesn't matter to me who Kuyper and McShay and Mayock and DJ rank as the number one quarterback or whatever. I'm going to do the work myself. I'm going to have my own opinions. And I know, um, I think some people, young people, when they're coming up in the, the media business, make the mistake of either trying to match those guys or they try to go complete opposite and go the other way, Entirely, so that they're different than them. And I, I think the like the best thing to do is to just be true to what you see and just have your own ideas. And when you agree with someone, you agree with them. When you don't, it, it doesn't have to be you know the start of World War II when you disagree with someone's rankings.
3: Kyle Mulvaney on iTunes has two questions for you guys. He wants to know your favorite Michigan brew, and he also asked. The 2018 has a lot of hype, but JT Barrett's name has barely been mentioned. Oh man.
0: JT Barrett, I, I'll be honest, I haven't I haven't like charted him. I haven't broken it down like I have the other top quarterbacks just because of a lack of time. What I've seen from him, I've never got the impression that he's an early round or you know what I would call premium quarterback prospect. He's more of a a late round project type guy. Um, When I have talked to people at Ohio State, I know that they feel like, you know, if he goes when he goes in the draft, if he tries to stick at quarterback, he might be a sixth or seventh round pick. If he were willing to maybe play wide receiver or running back, they might feel like he's a better player. But that's just the opinions that I've kind of gotten from the Ohio State, the people I talk to. I haven't done a deep dive yet. I don't know if you have, Connor, but I'm really not to a point where. I could definitively say yes or no about him.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen coaches film of him yet, but just off of what I have seen of the broadcast, and I- I've watched a lot of him, it's just very limited player. Like, when you look at those guys that are smaller, like Russell Wilson was, you say you don't want to assume that they have, a you know, you know, not a great arm, because Russ had one of the best, Matt, I've seen you say it, one of the best arms of prospect we've seen have. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're limited, because you know, smaller players can have a gigantic arm. Barrett, though, is a smaller player that has, to me, a limited arm. And I think when he's asked to push the ball down the field, it can get ugly. I think when things get a little complicated, I just I wasn't impressed as a transition to the pros. I think Matt said it best that you're looking at probably a sixth or seventh round quarterback because he is a guy that you'd say, okay, maybe we can mold him into a backup for the system we run. And I know it's the state, the obvious, but you look at Seattle's system how they took the chance on Trevon Boykin, while a lot of teams wouldn't. you know, They'll take chances on guys that fit their system, and I think Barrett's a guy that's going to be... He might be limited to a certain system, but overall, he's a limited player traits-wise, and that's why he's just not being talked about in the top quarterback conversation.
0: Uh, as far as my favorite Michigan beer, I haven't spent much time in Michigan, believe it or not, and it's just kind of odd because my mom is, is from there. The only one I can remember having was a Founders, and I, it was like a... I was there... During football season, so it was like a harvest ale, something like that. I mean, it was just—I was I literally got stuck there one night, had to stay in a hotel, and drank at the the hotel bar. But I use that Untapped app to like keep track of the beers I drink when I travel, and that's the only one I have in Michigan. So that must have been
1: it. Uh the Bell's Two Hearted is really popular in New York City, and it's for good okay. good reasons. But anything from Bell's is is pretty delicious. The Two Hearted. Uh, is unbelievable. And I don't really know any Michigan beers outside of bells and the founders, to be honest with you, but they're both, I mean,
0: I need to get a PO box so people can send us beer and they don't get my address.
1: Hopefully I didn't give like the cliche answer from a non Michigan native. They're like, Oh, of course you said bells, but it's really good. So,
0: you know, we're going to have Ryan heard back on the podcast next week He's a Michigan boy. Let's just ask him. Great timing. Best Michigan beers.
3: So a lot of people send in t-shirt ideas. I thought they were hilarious. Johnny Ron on iTunes said that across the shirt it should say, but what about Trent Richardson? (laughs) (laughs) He Uh. also asked if the Broncos can't get a top three quarterback, where can they look to fix their QB situation with Lynch not being the answer?
1: I mean, Tyrod Taylor, right, Matt? Yeah, that's what just keeps coming up to me. Ryan
0: Tannehill might be available. There could be a decent amount of frigid quarterbacks next year. If they can't get one of the big three, you know, Rosen, Allen, or Darnold, I think you could look at someone like Luke Falk as a late first, early second round pick as a Washington State guy. And and we'll see, you know, we talked earlier in the show about someone like Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State. There could still be other quarterbacks who come out of this group where you think they're a type guy. I mean, you got to remember... You know, there were three quarterbacks drafted in the first round in 2016. And so far, Dak Prescott, you know, who is a late-round pick, has been the best one. So I think there are, there are other opportunities. I know a lot of fans, like, give up hope if they don't get a, an early enough pick. But you have to exhaust all those resources and see if there might be a mid- or late-round guy who could come in and get the job done.
3: Okay, and last but not least, Anthony Mongo on iTunes That's our boy. Asked, when you refer to a prospect as just a guy— What does that mean in terms of talent and potential production in the NFL?
1: I like that he asked that a lot because I think sometimes we say things and don't realize that we might be speaking in a different language because we're so used to talking to each other. Um, You know, when you call a guy a jag, just a guy, it just comes down to that in the NFL, there's star talent. There's, there's, you know, jags are often just replaceable players, essentially. And a lot of the time, these players hit the market and get paid a lot of money when, you know, it's just a demand situation, but just the guy is really average traits, you know, I, I think when you explain what the opposite would be, you look at a guy like Julio Jones coming out and you say that's a freak, you know, freakish testing numbers, freakish production altogether. There's a lot of players that come out that are very productive, but if their traits are mediocre, it really could be more of a system thing.
0: You know, I a good example that I can remember is I called Derek Henry just a guy. People are like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, he's he is. He's just a guy. He might start for a couple of years. Uh, he might even have a couple good years, but I, I think that he is a replacement-level player. He is. He's just a guy. You could find someone like him every year on the draft is yeah. probably the best way to explain it. He's
1: not Le'Veon Bell. He's not David Johnson. He's not Melvin Gordon. He's not one of those guys that you say, you know, he's a replaceable player. He's a good player, and he fits Tennessee's system perfectly, but he's replaceable. Yeah, good good way to put it.
3: guys, that's it for this week's draft Everyone's been sending in great questions. It's really hard choosing every single week. So thanks, guys.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Grace up, Kennedy. And uh we'll take one more quick break and then the moment you've all been waiting for it through the whole damn show. We're gonna do a top ten mock draft. So, Connor, before we go to break, your New York Jets are officially on the clock, man.
1: They're on the clock and
0: they've been on the they're gonna be on the clock a long time. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back after this. All right, everybody, we appreciate you sticking around uh, for the end of the show here. A top 10 mock draft. We're going to go pick by pick. And before you complain about the draft order, damn it, because I know you're all going to do it. (laughs) I went online and I Googled Super Bowl 52 odds and I put them in reverse order. And these are the 10 teams expected by those geniuses in Las Vegas to have the top 10 picks in the draft right now based on those odds. So don't come at me. Don't come at Connor. They will. We had nothing to do with the draft (laughs) order. That's all people do is, like, they forget who the picks were, and they're like, I can't believe you think the Jets are going to pick first. You know, it's like 100%. I know it's coming for me. I know it. So now that we have said that, the New York Jets are on the clock. Who do you have? This is your team, man. This is your squad. Who do
1: you have the Jets take a first overall? God, it's sad that I have loyalty to them at this point. But I with that being said, I did talk about it earlier on the show that the whole Hackenberg McHagan situation. I would like to see them stick it out with this regime and not just keep firing people over and over again. Hello, Woody Johnson. And I know you're gone now, but now your brother Chris. I hope they stick it out and I hope this regime, you know, they're gonna tank they're obviously tanking right now, it seems like. I would take Josh Rosen from UCLA. And I know it's, uh, listen, the obvious thing is take a quarterback. I can make an argument for all three of them. I can make an argument for Sam Darnold. I can make an argument for your guy, Josh Allen. Now, here's my argument for Rosen. I think from what I've seen, I love his arm talent. I love his ability to work the pocket. I like his personality a lot. And I think he's cut out for New York. Not an easy place to play. Not an easy place to start right away as a rookie. I think and he's that's thick skinned doing. enough, though. And I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. He, he is. I really would like to see him in New York. I think he's the guy that could turn things around. Um, I'm telling you what, you, you know, from he's done some crazy stuff. Whether it's the the Trump hat on the Trump golf course, <laughs> he's very anti-Trump. I think a lot of New Yorkers would would get behind that. But, um, you know, I. I, I think his comments are taken out of context very often and it gives the casual fan, you know, ways to rip him. I just, I really, really like Josh Rosen's talent and I like his character and I would take him number one overall if I was the Jets.
0: So I, I assume we're doing the uh, what we would do, not what we think will happen. mock Draft here.
1: That's what I did,
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, I would take Josh Allen. I mean, right now he's my number one quarterback. That could change starting... Saturday at 11 a.m. in person for you. In person, we get to see him versus Iowa. I would take him because listen, I I love his toughness, his athleticism. I think he has some rare talent in terms of what he could do, mobility wise, what he could do, arm strength wise. Uh, so I I'm on board with that. I I think when you scout, you look for elite traits, and he has them. You know, it's it's a little bit of a switch for me because in the past I've always valued you know, accuracy and decision-making those two things need to improve for Josh this year. You know, he can't throw 15 picks and be the first pick in the draft, but I do feel like athletically he's ahead of Pat Mahomes arm strength wise. He's ahead of Pat Mahomes and what he's asked to do in the Wyoming offense. He's also ahead of Pat Mahomes, who was the number 10 pick in the draft last year. So when you can get a talent like that, now the jets have to get some help. This isn't a one pick fix, and they have to get some good coaches to help. Maybe they have those guys. I think Jeremy Bates is a really good quarterback's coach. Yeah, he is. So whomever they pick up, I think it's in good hands. But I'm I'm sticking with Josh Allen as my top quarterback and top pick.
1: And there'd be a um, lot of reason to be excited with that pick. I mean, let's be real. That would be the best quarterback prospect the Jets have had, and God knows when, maybe since Chad Pennington. So healthy Chad you, Pennington. You can hope, with a hell of a lot stronger arm. Yes. Uh, yes. Pick
0: number two, Cleveland Browns. We went different directions here. Uh, I went with Saquon Barkley, assuming that Deshaun Kaiser is the guy. Yep. You know, he's the starting quarterback there now. Uh, Hugh Jackson seems determined and committed to him. You know, he said he's going to be my quarterback through the bumps and bruises this year. So Saquon Barkley gives them. I, I actually like the running backs there. Uh, Isaiah Crowell is a good back. Duke Johnson's solid. Saquon Barkley is exceptional, and he is a special talent. And for a team that has invested so many draft picks in over the past two years. I mean, they've, they've had a ton of rookies. If you account for giving those players time to develop, it is a, it's a team without many definable holes. So maybe you get younger at left tackle with a Connor Williams from Texas, but I think Saquon Barkley has a chance to be a pretty rare prospect at the running back spot.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, trade alert here. I don't do this often, but I, I threw this in this wrinkle here. Listen, I think Deshaun Kaiser, like you said, Mac, can prove that he might be the guy, and Cleveland might go into full Browns mode, and not in a bad way—the new Browns mode where they keep stockpiling picks. I have Buffalo moving from six to number two overall. We've talked about it for a while these these last two shows. Buffalo has an extra first, an extra second, an extra third an extra fourth. I'm not going <laughs> to overwhelm your uh, your lovely ears right now, everyone, by giving you trade details, but the point is they have the ammo to move up to number two. So they come from six, go up to number two, and take Sam Darnold. Because, listen, this is a regime that clearly has quarterback plans, and Josh Rosen is gone for me. He went to the Jets number one overall. Man, the AFC East would be a lot of fun with Tom Brady's still around. Oh my god. Josh Rosen in New York. Sam Darnold in Buffalo. And the Browns move back to six. So I will pick for the Browns at six. But if Kaiser proves he's the guy, they can get a nice haul here
0: again. Yeah. And I Sam Darnold to Buffalo. That's fun. Um that is that's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of He fun. fits that toughness, you know? Oh yeah. Um that so good call there. Number three, uh, my my team, uh, growing up a Niners fan. I, I I always say I grew up a Niners fan. Like, I am still, it's still the team I choose to watch. I just don't care if they win or lose. Uh, but I, I've gotten that way with the Jets recently. Yeah, it happens. I, I'm excited about this team. I'm very excited that Sam Darnold is still on the board for the for the Niners at pick number three. He would be my pick. I think I get asked a lot what type of quarterback fits Kyle Shanahan's scheme. The brilliance of Kyle Shanahan is that every type of quarterback can fit his scheme. We've seen him work with RG3. We've seen him work with Kirk Cousins. Brian Hoyer has had success with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you know, Matt Schaub had success with Kyle Shanahan. There are a lot of guys who fit his scheme. Giving him someone with the size, strength, uh, the athleticism, the toughness of Sam Darnold, I-, I think is an ideal fit. And also someone who is very intelligent and can digest that scheme and can apply it to the field. Uh, Sam Darnold, to Kyle Shanahan is like, I mean, that's a football porn website for you right there because <laughs> they they would be a match made in heaven. And again, like his ability to execute on half rolls and a rollouts is perfect for what Kyle likes to do at quarterback.
1: Yeah, I think I would love to see that happen. Honestly, I would love to see Sam Darnold with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, my pick for the Niners comes with a caveat. Oh, that's fair. And that's fair. I, yeah. I think they signed Kirk Cousins, and I know we keep saying it. So I took Arden Key, third overall. Now Niners fans might be saying, "Well, here we go, another guy up front." Key is a different player than that, Matt. Wouldn't you consider him in that lighter edge mold, really outside linebacker yeah, build? Definitely an edge mold,
0: and for Niners fans, you just cut Ahmad Brooks. Here's your replacement, is how I would preface that. Um, you know, Eli Harold's going to get a shot at that that role, but you
1: need a pass rusher. Yeah, and he just hasn't done anything. Yeah, and I mean, listen, if you got Solomon Thomas and the Oregon boys and Arden Key. It's a hell of a pass rush. It's going to be a hard defense to score points against, man. I, It's a hell of a pass rush. I think he fits. I do think that if they get their quarterback, man, they're going to be sitting pretty in the top five next year to take the best player available. Yeah, that this was a spot. Because Joe Staley is getting older. Uh, I almost
0: went left tackle. Yeah. But quarterback is just, it's too tempting. And for you to get a pass rusher, an elite pass rusher, something they haven't had since Alden Smith and with his issues, you got to think about that. Uh, If you can get your quarterback in Kirk Cousins, for sure. And I I know a lot of people believe that that's going to happen. Number four, the Chicago Bears. Our first agreement. Our first agreement, Derwin James, safety, Florida State. I know we talked about this last draft. It is very hard to draft a safety in the top five because of positional value. But the Bears have their quarterback. They've locked up their left tackle. That They have a pass rusher in Leonard Floyd. Christian Wilkins from Clemson, the defensive lineman, is not a great scheme fit. And there is not a corner at this time I would consider a top five pick. So when you go through all that and you consider the fact that Derwin James is a really, really good player, He's kind of in that Cam Chancellor mold at safety. He's a fit for what they need at, at, at strong safety in that defense and could be a difference maker in the secondary. So we both agree, and I think that's a it's close to a, a no-brainer
1: with the way the draft board has fallen for us here. Yep, exactly. I, I can't make an argument. I mean, Jacksonville is picking at— if they pick at five, like we have them because of the odds right now, they would be— l- so damn lucky to fall into this scenario because they fucked up last draft. They fucked up. Last couple, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, they really really, I mean, I don't care how good Leonard Fournette ends up being. The, Jack, the Jaguars need a quarterback, Matt. I mean, I have them taking what would be the best one available for me in Josh Allen and you've explained enough of why he could be the real deal and you have them taking... Josh Rosen. Yeah, another guy who mechanically beautiful. Um,
0: You you just have... I don't even worry about if he loves the game. I think he obviously loves the game. I kind of think that's a ridiculous question at this point. It's just a matter of, are you going to be okay with how he is on and off the field? Uh, But they need a quarterback. Listen, Blake Bortles is one of the worst picks since I've been covering the draft. He's a bust in every sense of the word. It's time to start over. Uh, And Doug Marone... Very good quarterback coach from everyone I've ever spoken to. I think whether it's Josh Roseland or Josh Allen or Sam Darnold, you would feel comfortable with Marone. And they have talent. Right? Their offensive line is not bad. They have very good receivers. Uh, obviously, the run game is going to get much better with Leonard Fournette yep. and Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon. Like, they have some dudes. They just need a quarterback who could be a distributor and
1: get the ball out there and right now they don't have it. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. This this is a perfect scenario for them. They'd be really lucky to be sitting here in this situation. So next is where my trade comes in. I had Buffalo move up from 6 to 2, so the Browns are now sitting at 6. And listen, it I have them taking Harold Landry, who's arguably the best senior in the country, and Harold Landry and Miles Garrett could be the edge duo of the next decade. If it panned out like this, that would be it. Would be scary
0: for sure. Um, I so I have I have Buffalo here with the picks. I I didn't have a trade. I had Christian Wilkins going here. I, I think they are quickly running out of patience with Marcel Darius, who has was signed to a huge contract back in 2015. They just sent him home on a on a like a disciplinary action. Yeah, I, I think it's time to address the middle of that line. Kyle Williams is a hell of a player. He'll be a Bills Hall of Famer. He's getting he's ageless. Yeah, he's, but he's been in the NFL I mean, for 12 years yeah. at this point. Christian Wilkins from Clemson, a phenomenal first step quickness. Uh he's built a lot like Gerald McCoy, in my opinion. So he could fill that three technique role that that Williams has held down for so, so long. I know they picked up Adolphus Washington in the third round of 2016. I think Christian Wilkins is a special type of guy as a pass rusher. And, you know, we've talked before about uh, someone who going to get to see in person. Uh, we'll see him in three weeks. Clemson-Louisville, uh, going to get a great test against that Cardinal offense, so I'm excited to see Wilkins in person, but I, I think he has the goods to be a top-ten pick in this draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue talent-wise. I think that's such a good fit, and I think the patience ran out with Darius a long time ago. I think they've just been stuck with him, so what a nightmare that's been. Uh, moving on to Miami at 7, which to me would be a little bit of a surprise. I think this is a better football team than 7, but I like that you use the odds because then people can't just shred us for saying by what we think. <laughs> this was my first pick where I truly, truly was like, okay, I went need, I went need, I might have reached for need, but I took Jair Alexander out of Louisville. Oh, there you go first because corner. I can't look at the Dolphins secondary and not add to it here. It's just. It's like an Achilles heel, it feels like. And, and, you know, I will wait till the regular season to fully say that, okay, they have to add the secondary, and we'll see what they do in free agency. But go get a guy that's physical, not the biggest, but he's a physical corner. He He's not as scared to fight you know, beat people up at the line of scrimmage, and I think he's ready to play right now. You know, you get an instant starter for Miami. And that's, I had to take him here. I just feel like I had to.
0: No, I like that. And I'm able to make my pick because he's already off the board for you. I went with Arden Key because I see a front uh, a front line. I know they took Charles Harris last year, but Cameron Wake definitely getting up there in age. You know, William Hayes getting older as well. Andre Branch, who we, talk, we defined this earlier in the show. He's just a guy. So if you can take Charles Harris and you've got Jordan Phillips and Dominican Sue and Arden Key. God. Holy. Like, if Raquan McMillan talk back about behind them, how do you how do you challenge New England? That's how you beat the hell out of Tom Brady. That's how. And with a, a front four like that, you could do it. And like you said, behind that, you've got Kiko Alonso, Raquan McMillan, Lawrence Timmons. The secondary is a need. Uh, both safety spots, Rashard Jones, Rashad Jones, Rishad Jones, excuse me, uh, hell of a player. I like him. At corner, I want to see what Xavier Howard and Cordray Tankersley can do. What can they become? Because I really liked both of those players coming out. Uh, Howard coming out of, of Houston, Tankersley coming out of Clemson. They both have talent. So I, I'm anxious to see what they can do, who they can become before I completely give up on corner. But I, I like where, you're, where your head's at and what you're trying to do there.
1: Yeah, and like I said, yeah, I we do deserve to see what those two, because they're both very young, what they can do in that secondary so our next pick for the Rams, another agreement between us. Now, I'm going to let you take the floor because Connor Williams, the big badass left tackle on Texas, is the guy here. He is the guy, man. I, listen, he was in consideration for me
0: at pick number two with the Cleveland Browns. Me too. Connor Williams, uh, not just saying this as a Texas fan, 6'6, 315. He surrendered one sack in two years. He's athletic. He, he reminds me of Joe Thomas. I, I'm, I, yes, I am old enough to have watched Joe Thomas in college. Williams reminds me of that. Uh, same type of player. I think he's better than Jake Matthews was at AM. I know there have been some comparisons there. Uh, he is a plug and play left tackle, and they have Andrew Whitworth. The Rams do. Uh, he's 34 years old. His time is short. I think they only signed him to a two year deal. So bring Connor Williams in. To When I watch him play, I see someone who should be an all-pro left tackle in the NFL early on in his career.
1: Now, for the next one with Washington, we agreed we just took different players because you already had Saquon Barkley go second overall. So <laughs> yeah. I had Washington take Saquon Barkley uh, here because I think they finally need some consistency in that backfield. And, I mean, Barkley can be... This is when I was talking about like the Le'Veon Bell, the Melvin Gordon, David Johnsons of the league. Barkley can be that kind of guy. I mean, he's a freak, and the guy you had them take can also be that kind of guy because he's a freak. Yeah, Darius guys,
0: and and what's weird is I you know I, I don't scout underclassmen during the season. You know, I always wait until they're draft eligible. So this summer when I went to watch Darius guys, I had a completely wrong perception of who he was as a player. He has. Fancy feet, and he he has power when he finishes runs. He's I the really, angry
1: ballerina. Yeah, That's what
0: I call him. exactly. Man, I came around on him a lot, and I I know Washington drafted Samaje Pirine. I think they would be a very good combination together. You know, Matt Jones has a world of talent. He hasn't panned out. It, I made this pick with the, I guess, the caveat that they're going to keep Kirk Cousins and or figure out that quarterback situation another way because there's not a quarterback on the board here. I would pick at number nine. Not Luke Falk, not Lamar Jackson. None of those guys are, are a top 10 pick, in my opinion, yet. Darius Geist, though, it, this is kind of like a pick I feel like Scott McLuhan would have made had they kept him as general manager because it's just a tough, you know, old school running back who's great between the tackles but has to breakaway speed. And and your guy, you know, you had Barkley going here. I had him going second overall. If he's on the board, that's obviously who they should pick at number nine because he is a, a great combination of all the traits we look for in a running back. He has power, he has hands, he has vision, he has speed. So either running back, I don't feel like you could go wrong here.
1: No, definitely not. They'd be instant impact players. And and my argument, because obviously I said that I think Kirk Cousins leaves and I still took Barkley, is that you take the best guy. And if the three quarterbacks are gone, and maybe you're not comfortable taking Lamar Jackson or one of the other quarterbacks, number nine overall, you take a game-changing player, and that's Barkley. So when you do get your next quarterback, he has a lot of help. Now, to, to wrap this thing up, we have the Lions at 10. Uh, I took Christian Wilkins. Man, it there's a chance he doesn't make it here to 10 because he's that good. But for me, he's sitting here, and I love getting the Lions some interior help that I think they'll need after this year. And Wilkins is just a plug-and-play guy right away for that Detroit front seven. Instant impact player. Great value here. Listen, they got their quarterback for a long time. We talked yeah, about that kind of money earlier in the show. So you take the best player right here.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I look at that team and I I see a need for a pass rusher as well. I went with Harold Landry because Chris Wilkins is off the board for me. You you called it earlier. He's the best senior prospect in the country. Um, you know, they they have talent with Ziggy Ansah, of course, at one defensive end spot. Uh, I look at Harold Landry as someone who could stand up and rush he could put his hand in the dirt and rush he's a little bit smaller than Ansa he, he's 6'3", probably 250, 255 but he's going to give you more of a speed rush uh, off that opposite edge so and with Ansa being hurt right now it's also I think you you start to to worry a little bit and yeah they do have they have Cornelius Washington they have some other guys they don't have anyone like Harold Landry who everyone I've talked to when I talk to Scouts over the summer they say man this this kid has a chance to be a top 10 pick and when you watch him on tape, you see it because he has he has a complete toolbox of moves. His instincts are very good. His awareness is very good. So I, I know you had him going earlier uh, at pick six. I've got him here at 10. But
1: BC fans should be pretty damn excited about Harold Landry this year. They should. And to go back to the Lions and Ziggy Ansah, he might be the most interesting free agent not named Kirk Cousins to hit the market next year. Because we've seen the Lions say, hey, we don't have to franchise this guy. They this is a team that let the, the comic and Sue walk, and Ansa is a free agent after this year. It's been banged up. I thought Clay and Farrell at this pick at one point, but I couldn't pass on Wilkins. Oh you, yeah, you get the insurance answer here with Landry. If I mean it'd be great to pair him with Ansa, but if you lose him, you almost have to take Landry here.
0: Yeah, and it, it is going to be interesting. And this just goes to show it's you know the beginning of September into August here, and. We're talking about a draft board, and these are probably the 10 players, and you've heard maybe 12 names here, that that everyone's going to talk about throughout the course of the season. So, yes, it's early. A lot's going to change with injuries and team needs and you know, firings and trades and free agency, but this is a, a at least a good list to start with. Uh, in Friday's scouting notebook, I'm going to have my first big board of the year. Uh, it's just going to be a top 25, but we'll give you a, a list to watch as college football completely kicks off on Saturday. Um, I know we've mentioned it a million times. I'll be at Iowa, Wyoming. Hopefully we'll get out of that game and immediately go to Michigan watch Michigan, Florida, which will go to Florida, Alabama, Florida State, Alabama. So it's gonna be a great day for watching college football. Have you circled any games on the calendar yet that you're gonna try to, to camp out and watch?
1: I think I'm just gonna pull up the old fashioned just park my ass in front of you know two to three screens and just try to catch as much as I can. Right now, this time of the year, I don't get too fancy. Where I'm so entrenched in Florida State, Alabama, because the the bottom line is those are the questions we're going to get early on. Yeah, and you can always go back and really dive deep into. I don't want to say smaller programs, but I mean the truth. The fact of the matter is smaller programs because Alabama and Florida State. The one thing I am beyond ready to see, honestly, is the return of Derwin James. That's uh, the hype has been rolling this summer. And I just want to see him on the football field again.
0: Yeah, on the same way. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Derwin James already. I'm excited to also see uh, Tavares McFadden, their corner, who had eight or nine picks yeah, last year. Yeah, they Had a, a very, very good year. And then Alabama with a completely new offense. You know, gone are Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. And is Brian Dable, who coached with the New England Patriots for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see that backfield for Alabama. Has so much talent. Calvin Ridley has a chance to be the top receiver in next year's draft. Um, it, that Jonah Williams is only a sophomore, but we're going to talk a lot about him in future years as a franchise left tackle. So Alabama offense has a lot of guys to watch. Defense, of course, does too. But that that is going to be the headline game. My goal is to still be sober by seven o'clock. Yes.
1: That night. Yeah, uh, I won't make any promises there. But yes, uh, it's that- College Football Opening Weekend. Uh, going up to,
0: and when you're in a college town, you just kind of get overtaken by that environment. So it is going to be a lot of fun. Um, going to camp out at a sports bar called brothers in Iowa city. Awesome. And watch games all day. So if you're, if you're in Iowa city, come by, say hi, um, uh, share a beer, watch the football. So man, this is a great show this week. Thank you to Josh Luman from EA sports. Thanks to Kennedy. And thank you to all you guys. You continue to kick ass with the questions that you leave. Um, Great reviews on iTunes and your iTunes review homework of the week. Let us know which college football game you're most looking forward to watch. Yes, definitely leave your questions there too. I know I say it every week, but it's true. We see your questions on iTunes better than we do on Twitter. If you want to hit us on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at Stick to Football. You can follow Connor at Connor J Rogers. You can follow me at NFL Draft Scout. Uh, Next week we'll have a cool show. We'll have a review of Josh Allen. Live from Iowa City, we'll have uh, country music star Ryan Hurd is going to come back on, our first repeat guest. That's right. So Well uh, earned Episode 22, we're going to have a repeat guest, and uh, we'll be able to really reflect on the weekend that was the the big kickoff of college football. So thanks for hanging out with us. Connor, any parting shots from you, my man?
1: Yeah, I got one parting shot. Um, I always, you know, in a laughable way, a joking way, rip on J.J. Watt but I can't encourage people enough right now to go to his page or Kevin Hart or anybody trying to help out with Hurricane Harvey in Houston right now. Every dollar counts, and it's something that, you know, isn't just going away. These things take so long to, you know, recover from. So anything you can do to help, I mean, Watt is the guy that comes to mind right away that's been doing so much to raise awareness and funds. And I just encourage everyone to try to do the same.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're listening in, go write this down or go right to it. It's youcaring.com caring.com slash JJ Watt. And uh, as of right now, one point six million dollars have been donated. So let's keep that number going. Um, you know, we've seen you guys rally behind you know, early in this podcast, we really promoted the Hope for Kaya fund and you guys were great. So let's uh, we've all been there. You know, I'm a Joplin resident. Uh, you know, we went through it here with the tornado. You guys went through it with Sandy up yep. there on the East Coast. I mean, it's it, it seems like there's something every year. So the best thing we can do is help each other out. Whether it's you know the Red Cross, you can text Harvey to nine zero nine 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 and donate ten bucks right on your phone. It takes two seconds. You can donate you know through JJ Watt's fund through Kevin Hart's. Uh, definitely, if you're in a position to help, help. If you're not, hey, I've been there too. I, I, we've all struggled. If you're not in a position to help financially, post about it on Facebook. Post about it on Twitter. Post about it on Instagram. There are a lot of ways to to get involved and help out. So definitely, hey, good call, Connor, for bringing that up. And, hey, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.